podcast ain't played nobody. Welcome to the hurry up, Richard. Let's go and hurry up through these real ass playoff teams as of week nine. Good morning, sir. How are you? You good? Awful. I got no sleep. Mm, okay. All right. We'll talk about it. Uh, Clemson, you're a 59 to 7 winner against Boston College. Before I go any further, I paired Clemson and Alabama together, Richard, specifically because they just evaporated crappy teams in their conference. However, can you give me 60 seconds of a, a little bit of nuance, please, on Clemson's recent victory? I'll say Clemson is, I, I'm not going to say rounding into form because I don't think they were ever off of form. Trevor Lawrence looked Trevor Lawrence's version of kind of sort of shaky in the last couple weeks through two picks. Last week against Louisville, it's okay. Um, this stat comes to us from Larry Williams of Tigers Illustrated. Since throwing the second pick in the first quarter at Louisville, Trevor Lawrence is 36 of 48 through the air for 519 yards with six touchdowns and no interceptions. They won yesterday, I believe, 60 to or 59 to 7. Perfect. Uh, Alabama murdered Arkansas uh, amidst a bit of a rave in Tuscaloosa because when you think electronic light show, you think Central Alabama. 48-7. to Ohio State beat up on Wisconsin. We'll talk about that in a minute. 38-7. to Penn State survived the potential Dantonioing. 28-7. to And then the game we will definitely talk about as it currently divides our real-ass playoff teams from our good ones. LSU plays arguably its worst game of the year. It beats Auburn 23-20. to I'll give Penn State credit for that that anti D'Antonio. They there was no chance of that yesterday. I mean, they got up early yeah. and they they said we're winning this game. We're not doing this. That we're we're dispensing with pleasantries. We're not really going to touch on that game, but I will say this: when your Michigan State offense is that bad and your Penn State defense is that good, it is going to take the, uh, the 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 potential for weirdness out of it, which is exactly what happened. Every time I checked in, it was very boring and very assured, which is what that Penn State Michigan State game usually is not. Let's go to our good game, our good teams. Excuse me, Richard. Um, very, very, very top of the good teams, and I'm toying with putting you maybe a week, maybe two weeks from now, back into playoff contention because that's what I can do. It's my podcast. Oregon, a 37-35 winner. They survived Wazoo. Richard, if you remember, I asked y'all uh, on the tasting menu. I said, "Hey, maybe this Oregon team because it's built different won't have fits with Wazoo like other Oregon teams have in the past." They still had fits with Wazoo. Doesn't matter. They won on a field goal. As time expired. 37-35. Georgia and Florida, they're both on a bye. Utah, a 35 to nothing winner versus Cal. Richard, I'd like to point out again, because this is our safe space away from the shutdown forecast, we have two teams from the Pac-12 and our really, really good teams like playoff precipice right now. That's Utah and Oregon. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? God, if Utah didn't have a stupid loss. Ugh. I know. Uh, Oklahoma, hi. You lost 48-41 to 41 at K-State. We'll talk about you in a second. Auburn, I'm keeping you in the good teams, uh, mainly because I think part of the reason that LSU kind of farted around yesterday was, was specifically what Auburn did to LSU. So I'm keeping Auburn with two losses in the good teams. This is my podcast. I can do what I want. They lost The opinions expressed by Stephen Godfrey on podcast and play nobody are not emblematic of both hosts. You, okay, all right. You hate Auburn. Noted. Uh, still an undefeated purgatory. This is a new category I created last week because if anyone else can figure out what to do with these two teams, you'd be my guest. Minnesota beat up Maryland 52-10. to Baylor, now in the driver's seat in the Big 12, was on a bye. Sure. Um, also keeping another category of like, hey, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll mention your name on the radio. Uh, Wake Forest had a bye. They're 6-1. and one. Um, UAB, they're 6-1 and one on a bye. They hadn't really played anybody. 
Uh, Louisiana Tech, they beat up UTEP, which is basically a buy, so they're now 7-1. and one. I just feel like I should say something out of my G5 obligation. Now, Richard, much more pressing in the group of five, is my group of five top five. Not a lot of movement here. I've been tempted to put Memphis in the top slot, but they got a case of the Tulsa, which happens. SMU got a case of the Tulsa. Uh, SMU, I still have the number one slot. They were 34-31 winners uh, against Houston on Thursday. Memphis comes back against Tulsa to win 42-41. to uh, Tulsa, not a good football team, gives really good football teams <laughs> the fits, man. Uh, Cincinnati's on a bye. App beat uh, South Alabama 30-3, to and Boise's on a bye. All right, Richard. No UCF because UCF looked good, 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 They good. did. I will say this. Shout out to UCF, but – you know, we can only have the AAC teams take up so much real estate in this top five. I do believe there is still something to be said about Boise, who lost in bad weather last week against BYU at BYU. Tough place to play, all that. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to trifle with, with App State. That's a machine right now. Uh, okay, the first place I want to go, Richard, is if you can, uh, let's explain why Oklahoma reverted back to Oklahoma status of basically the Oklahoma that we know and love so much of the last 15 to 20 years um, in the Stoopsian era of embracing the air raid, but then also being susceptible to it. That wasn't necessarily what happened yesterday against K-State, but this was an Oklahoma defense that broke the F down. And all of a sudden, Oklahoma is no longer a, a real-ass playoff team by any stretch. I mean, look, I think the K-State just kind of K-Stated all over Oklahoma. I mean, like, like they didn't – I don't think K-State kind of – K-State didn't grab the game by the neck, which is weird given the fact that they were up by a ton. I know that's going to sound kind of weird. Um, but they also didn't – like, they didn't weird their way to the win. Okay. Like, it was a very solid kind of it, – it, it's, it's not a crockpotting because they didn't win, but, like – all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, K-State's up by a million. How does that happen? Well, it happened because oh, Oklahoma blinked, like, basically in the second and the third quarter of this game. Um, they they went interception, field goal, punt, fumble, punt on five straight possessions. Meanwhile, K-State was on its way to going 8-4-8 eight, eight in the red zone. Damn. I think they scored on, like, seven or eight straight possessions at one point in this game. Um, K-State also stole a possession at the end of the first half. They got a pick on, like, a weird flea flicker type thing. Um, they got a pick, scored off that. They, they were able to steal a possession there. Um, you know, they ran for five yards, sack adjusted. Um, they, they're really fun to watch on offense because of all the pulling they do. They And, look, if somebody knows what this is, Please hop in my mentions. I tweeted it at, like, 6.30 Sunday morning, October 27th. Um, It's this, like, delayed pole play that K-State runs. Mm -hmm. They ran it on the first drive of the game. I I was DMing back and forth with a literal college football coach who was like, I have no idea what this is. Nice. Um, That's what happens when you have an offensive coordinator who is also a tight ends coach. That happens. All right. Um, So here's the other deal. I want to talk about Auburn LSU and figure out who's if, who's at fault for this game that I was asking openly in our Banner Society Slack. Is this a good game to watch? And they said, no. The, the, the overwhelming consensus was, and I don't know how much of this game you were watching, but it was not a good game. It was a close game. Um, for the majority, yes. for the, yeah, for the majority of the afternoon, sorry, I now have to pause pop-up ads as we use our box scores. Um, for the majority of this game, it was it, when it counted, 
it was mainly 23 to 13. And that one touchdown drive that the Tiger, that sorry, the Auburn Tigers had came off of a muffed punt by LSU to essentially set up a short scoring drive in the red zone at the end of the second quarter. The entire box score of this game is deceptive. Right. Like Auburn, like Wisconsin, we'll get to Wisconsin obviously a little bit later, but like, like Wisconsin, the whole time this game is playing out, I'm like, okay, so how are, how's Auburn going to score a touchdown? Right. Um, I was really so so. Accordingly, we should say LSU, who's had a lot of issues with with injury and not looking as LSU on defense, just in general, especially on the back end this year, played a great game. They got set up poorly, I think, on on essentially both of Auburn scoring drives, and that was really the difference. However, um, I also am still really really impressed with Auburn's defense because. This was an LSU offense that looked as good as it usually does, except it did not cash in. It was really just a matter of points per drive and points per play being the difference uh, for LSU because, yeah, they sort of like let Auburn hang around, and yeah, they were victims of their own mistakes. But I will give Auburn credit in that they got when when LSU got into the red zone, they tightened up. Now, again, other than the muff punt that creates a uh, it creates an Auburn touchdown at the half that changes the complexion of the game because you go in tied. The other issue is LSU has that befuddling goal line deal where they essentially run almost the same run play three times. Then they decide to go for it on fourth and goal. They throw a, a kind of cool wide receiver screen where they had the four they had the four receivers at the top. Then they that, motion is a, that is literally a New Orleans Saints play. Yeah, I know. Uh, they motion a receiver out of the four bunch, and then they throw like what amounts to be a screen. Auburn snuffs it out. It was one of the strangest, most non this year LSU offense moments I've seen. If you create, if you take away the fumbled punt, and you're just somewhat efficient in that in that one goal goal line stand, this is a blowout. This is this literally could be thirty to three at any moment in the third quarter. That's how that that's how much of a swing this game was. Yeah, I was gonna say I, this was basically one touchdown away from us kind of definitively kind of calling this a, a, a whooping and it never but it never happened is that right. Auburn is that to Auburn's credit I'm trying to figure that, this out that is to Auburn's defensive credit Auburn's okay. defense kept Auburn in the game that's what Auburn's defense is supposed to do look Auburn's offense is not explosive through the air I'm not making that up they had three explosive plays in the past game one was a shallow cross the other was that absolutely preposterous Bo Nix falling away he was throwing that ball away I don't care um and the receiver catches it after I think uh the DB like almost picked it and it and it landed in the receiver's hands the the third explosive pass play was a legitimate nice back shoulder throw by Bo Nix um Auburn ran the ball fine um they ran the ball fine but Passing the game, passing in the passing game, good Lord. They are just not explosive. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, really good teams win games in more than one way. And LSU, if if this is going to be LSU's like mucky kind of get down in it and kind of scrap and claw for it, um, you know, they, they won the game. They did what needed to be done. Yes, the holding calls in the first half were awful. I get it. Joe Burrow also deserves credit for showing a lot of good pocket awareness um, and scrambling ability separate of that. Um, look, Auburn's touchdown drives were of 22 yards off a fumble and 49 while down 10. It, like, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. This is maybe the fifth game, fifth LSU game I've watched in its entirety this year, Richard. And I just want to say this because I feel like everybody forgets to do this. So Joe Burrow threw the ball. He had 42. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. He threw the ball 42 times. 42 times, okay? 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 136 yards rushing, was also a top receiver with 50 yards, and and was as much of a game-changing running back as you can be on a team that's that's throwing the ball 40-plus times a game. They are good on offense. They are creative on offense. They are the way a, a big-bodied, truly athletic national title contender quality team has ever been passing to set up the run. This is yeah, a, a really cool team to watch. Yeah, I was going to say they are they're cool, they're fun, like they they are attractive to watch. Um got to get the goal line stuff figured out for a certain opponent in 2 weeks. We'll get to that in 2 weeks. For now, let's enjoy this for what it was. Um Auburn, you're going to have buddy. Auburn Georgia is a is going to be a rock fight. I am not looking forward to that one. That's going to be dumb and it's going to be slow, and uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if they'll be there. That game could almost definitely go off without a single explosive play. I think pretty much everything could be kept within the fifteen yard, twenty yard range. Yeah, I neither mean, offense I, is going to stretch the other one out. Yeah, now I I should have I should have uh, adjusted net yardage per attempt did both of these quarterbacks, and and I just wasn't able to this morning. Uh, but, I mean, when you just look at the blank box score, you're like, wow, Joe Burrow played really, really well. And Bo Nix played freshman average in Tiger Stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a freshman quarterback. Um, all right, Richard. Let's take a moment of not real silence because this is a short podcast. But uh, I loved you, Wisconsin. I was rooting for you like my Tyra Banks gift said last week. And um, it's over, and that's okay. Um, it was respectable. <laughs> it's fun while it lasted. It was it was very it was very first half of the season Wisconsin, which is okay. You didn't even have that last year because BYU uh, knocked you out early. But like, <sighs> um, yeah, Ohio State's really good. I still don't understand how good they are. Oh, I, really, I, I disagree, buddy. That is a damn fine football team. All right, sell me on it. We don't have what to. Do we don't look. We don't have to do the moment of silence for Wisconsin. I, I just don't because I I think maybe Wisconsin might be bad down the stretch. I mean, what was your what was your favorite Wisconsin drive that ended up in the red zone? That wasn't off of a block punt. Well, that's what I'm saying is I, I think Wisconsin's just been sort of solved like like solved for X in both regards on offense and defense. And so I this may be a team that gasp loses to the to the plucky Minnesota Gophers. This may be a team that loses two more two or three more times. I also think Ohio State deserves a lot of credit for kind of finding a way. Like Ohio State kind of poked and prodded and kind of picked a little bit they picked the lock a little bit and then okay. they unlocked it and they were gone um All right. and that that's that's a way good teams win football games um and and that's what ohio state did weather adjusted i thought uh ohio state handled themselves well than other teams in the midwest that we'll talk about in a second yeah they yeah they they executed the game plan they had a really nice uh touchdown on like what i think one of the first touchdowns was like an inverted wheel route um and i was like huh that's pretty fun um, yeah, I, I, like, there's not really much to be said. Wisconsin's just not as good as Ohio State, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Ohio State-Penn State, ball game. The, I mean, really, this is the last thing left for Ohio State's offense to, to worry about down the stretch. I mean, I, we will compliment Michigan, as we are legally obligated to do, uh, in, in just a few minutes. You can noted, turn to, Michigan, noted Michigan men here. No, like, when, when Ohio State plays Penn State, they're going to play a – Penn State is Penn State and Wisconsin. I'm not going to say Wisconsin isn't as aggressive as Penn State, but they're not as fast as Penn State. Okay. All right. Well, 
We'll get to it. We'll it's, get to yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I searched through, and I, I want to say now that Ohio State is actually the best team in the country, better than Clemson, better than the collection that's, that's in the SEC. And yet I don't know if I have something to fall back on or point to by virtue of, of the schedule and by virtue of even in small moments, very small moments, like, like playing Cincinnati and, and destroying them. They have a way of making you question how good the other opponent is, which instead of instead of holding that thought and following it through and saying, well, that's the quality of Ohio State is they actually make you fundamentally question the quality of the opponent, you just end up following that. You just, I don't know if Wisconsin was that good. So If Urban Meyer right. was their head coach, would you think differently? I think, honestly, I think, honestly, we might, and we're coming to terms with that. I mean, I'll admit, you know, there's a lot of subconscious bias when you do eyeball tests with these teams, and that, that very well may be the situation, Richard. Oh, God, I'm going to gag. Um, Michigan looked good on offense. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. They, they Michigan a, looked. Look, they scored, a lot of, they scored a lot of points in a football yes. game. and They showed that you could score. Like, this isn't a game they won 21-7. to Like, they showed that it was humanly possible to score in those conditions. <sighs> and I'm like, Notre Dame, what? what? Brian Kelly, you big red dummy. How do you not be this pre- like? How do you be this unprepared for situ- for for contingencies for situationals like bad weather? You cannot convince me that they look terrible in the in the rain. This is the third time Notre Dame has not known what to do in a monsoon. Spencer Hall wrote about this uh, in the top whatever. Which, by the way, if you if you listen to the PAPN Sunday recap. Please subscribe to the read option because then you get the top whatever, which kind of helps you also digest the week that was in a written format. This was, Richard, is it fair to say, from a schematic standpoint, an unprepared Notre Dame team that considered itself to be a playoff contender going into last night? Uh, I don't know about unprepared. I, I don't want to speak on it because I do. I actually need to watch the game again. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to really watch it again, and I didn't watch it with my full attention last night, given the fact that it got kind of boat racy. In the second half, we kind of flipped away from it pretty quickly, um, despite uh, a Michigan grab being in the household. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I won't definitively speak on it because I haven't seen it again. This, to me, and we'll see how it plays out down the stretch of the season, was less about a very good Michigan defense and more about a very hapless, confused-looking Notre Dame offense, especially in the first half. I don't want to slight Michigan, though, here. Like, since halftime at Penn State, Michigan has so far, mm-hmm. so far, looked like they are turning a corner. So far. Shea Patterson only threw the ball 12 times. He had 100 yards and completions. He did what you're supposed to do, especially with that kind of skill set and that kind of football team, when you're in disgusting weather. They they had an effective game plan. They knew what they were doing. It just, you look over and then, you know, you look at what Notre Dame was trying to do and, and guys, like, even when you're playing college football or Madden, like you know, the computer's going to hold it against you if you try and pass that much in in adverse condition. I mean, it was raining really hard. It's very hard for those of you who don't go to a lot of college football games. You very rarely can tell how hard it's raining by virtue of television. It's one of the right. things if, that, if like, you can if you can tell how hard it's raining from yeah. that wide camera, it's a fucking hurricane. It's very hard because it's just the way that HD is set up, that the, the way rain comes down, it actually is kind of filters through. Last night, anyone could flip by and go, oh, wow, it's really wet there. So that was the level that we're talking about. It wasn't a sudden, it wasn't a sudden front that came in or a light amount of rain. I mean, it was, it was a downpour. I, I mean, was, it rained I, the whole But my thing with Notre Dame is, like, it's, you, it, it's not like you can't score in that. 
Uh, Ohio State did it. Michigan did it. Penn State did it. I know there's the best teams in the conference, but like, in but the that's, what you're, they but that's did what you're supposed to be. Right, right, right. If you're that good, if you're playoff good, you, you can score and you can win in those conditions. Notre Dame, you dummies. The pull for the Irish every time they play for the Michigan. And, oh, God. Uh, all right, Richard, in other disgusting news, it just sort of head-scratching. Um, it's hard to even be serious about Texas's back anymore because we like we memed a meme a while ago, and so now it's like it's. Imp- <laughs> I just think that we've we've had a total failure of like sincere commentary. But um, yes, we thought Texas was actually back in the context of beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, the way they were recruiting Tom Herman's normal trajectory, and like the you know kind of how he built Houston or readjusted Houston, let's say whatever. They are not back by. I know Oklahoma just farted it away on defense, but they're not even back by Oklahoma standards. They're not. They're certainly not back by national title or even good ass team standards. Um, you and I talked about this before we went on the air. He's going to have to fire his DC, who's been with him for a long time now. Todd Orlando. This was a bad, bad game yesterday for Texas in the loss to TCU. I mean, they look. They they had like four DBs hurt. I think four or five DBs hurt in this game or coming into this game. Um, I mean. What what like honestly? What really can you say? This is Texas this year. They're they're not ready for the jump to prime time. Truly, a lot of people, myself included, thought that maybe they could be. Um, they're just not that team. They're they're just not that team. Uh, is so so is this a failure of us saying year away, year away, and just being off on the evaluation? Is it a product of just injury, or is this a? To me, it looks like even with the injuries, a schematic failure. Well. I, I don't know about that because I think that they what they're doing on defense, the framework of what they're doing on defense type front is supposed to work. What they're doing on defense from a framework perspective um, is how you is, is how you slow down offenses in this league. Yeah. Whether it's personnel, you know, whatever it is, it, it's not exactly working yet or at all, whatever whatever word you want to say for it. But I, I think the skeleton of what they're trying to do is what they should be trying to do, okay. which is, in a, in a sense, taking Iowa State's blueprint and injecting really, 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 really good athletes onto it. Um, it, it just hasn't taken yet. Richard, let's pause a little bit for some sponsored content right here. Uh, hashtag 9windiana, boy. Woo! Love it. Um, we'll come back to you um, in, in depth yeah. during the taste menu, but we did want to mention. We see you. Um, we, we value you as people, Indiana football, who just won at Nebraska. We just um, we will talk about you this week, I promise. And then, obviously, you have this in the notes as well. Uh, UCLA, that's, that's two in a row where you're functional and you're doing what you actually were supposed to be doing. So good for you. We'll figure out what that actually means, but we see you. We value you. Joshua Kelly ran 34 times last night. So, yeah, I – okay, okay, just like Michigan. Maybe turn a little corner. We'll see. Uh, one thing that we know now as Bud continues on his quest to understand the the upper middle class of the Big 12 is that there is no such thing. Uh, Baylor is undefeated. Oklahoma took one loss. And then everything after that is just a complete and total mush of confusion because it's Iowa just State – It's just soup. It's just happened? soup. It's very strange. Um, the one thing I want to touch on real fast – I, I did tease this up uh, on the tasting menu. The Syracuse game was when Willie Taggart turned it around as US, USF tenure. I am not going to be so bold as to compare that that win and Florida State's win against Syracuse this weekend by saying he's turned things around. There's a lot of stuff that they have to fix at Florida State. I think they're probably going to have to change defensive coordinators as well. 
Um, well, some would tell you that may have already happened. It's very possible. Um, one thing I will say, and and you notice this as well, Richard, Cam Akers is a phenomenal football player, and yeah, he's I, pulled their ASSs out of the fire. Um, sorry, I'm in toddler swearing mode. Um, several times, his recruitment and 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 Florida State pulling him away from both Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Jackson uh, was a phenomenal move. I don't even realize. I don't think they realized how important it was at the time, and it is. It, it may end up saving Taggart's job. I mean, look, what, watch some highlights from this game, and you'll understand. I mean, look, they can't make they, and I don't mean this to to talk down on Florida State, but Florida State did the high school Pop Warner thing where they were like, "All right, this is our best player. We want him to touch the ball basically every play." I mean, Cam Akers was a Wildcat quarterback in this game. He played quarterback in high school. Um, they they played him a ton. They he there was one drive where he had like three straight swing passes. Um, he had that wild triple throwback pass um, that I think Alex Hornibrook said after the game. Um, basically, it was a swing pass to Cam Akers, and Cam Akers like slung it back to Alex Hornibrook, who hit I believe to Marion Terry down the side. Bizarre man, it and looked- it, I. I think Hornybrook after the game was like, "Don't throw me the ball! Don't throw me the ball!" And he caught it and and was able to throw it out there. It looked it looked like it looked like street ball in that when you're doing the keep away thing when you're kids. That's what it, it did not look like a design play. Yeah, I, Cam Akers is really, 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 really good, um, and it was fun to watch him play well and to watch them play well yesterday and to watch the offense, for, if only for a week, to watch that offense get some sort of semblance hashtag proof of concept. Um, I'm going to skip over the Tennessee nonsense just because we can dedicate some time to this later this week, but now I now have to live with people at least for another seven days thinking Tennessee is like, you know, the next Saban dynasty because they won a conference game. I told um, you about it, baby. Oh God. Uh, I, I mean, you did. I'm just, uh, I can't process that right now to be totally honest with you. Well, the, don't you, worry. You, they could lose the UAB on Saturday. You still lost to Georgia state guy. Um, anyway, uh, I'm receiving reports, Richard, that Oregon punted what inside Washington State territory. Sources say, "What? Like, oh my god! Like I, this look, is gonna, gonna, this is going to kill our goodwill thing with the Pac-12 and us pushing Oregon as a playoff contender." Like, I'm going to channel I'm going to channel my inner t- Taylor Twelman here. What are we doing here? Very good, very good. I are like you that. kidding me? Good impersonation. I look. I, I will excuse the first one. I think it was in like the second quarter because it was like fourth and a mile. Um, but the second time, late in the game, you punted at Wazoo's thirty-three yard line on fourth and six, rushing for seven yards a carry. Sack adjusted. That is a joke. That is a joke. They punted it to Washington State at the ten. Washington State then drove it ninety yards to. to uh, to go to for the go ahead score, and now you're forcing Oregon to now drive back and put the ball on the foot of their kicker, who's not very good and had already missed an extra point. You've got a really creative play caller in Marcus Arroyo at the sticks. I, I, God, Richard, that's I, awful. I'm gonna be. I, I hate to leave an otherwise fine, serviceable week of football like this. I'm gonna be devastated if we get down the stretch. Oregon still with one loss is is a playoff contender, and we find out that Mario Cristobal's version of Oregon is the same big dumb forehead smacking nonsense that we see from Will Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt. That would that would just be so heartbreaking because he was supposed to be the different Saban, you know Saban Reform School product, 
And if they're getting into big dumb territory, that's that is going to bite them in the ass eventually. Uh, Richard, I will see you this week on the tasting menu, sir.